Welcome to the Women's Pelvic Pain Podcast, your ultimate source of uncensored information on women's pelvic health. In this podcast, you will hear from health practitioners, holistic healers, nutrition experts, and fitness gurus, in addition to people who have or had suffered from chronic pelvic pain in order to learn and understand everything there is to know about pelvic floor disorders. I'm here to share with you what I've learned in my seven and counting years of personal experience with chronic pelvic pain. Approximately one-third of women suffer from pelvic pain. It's an unspoken epidemic. So many of us have it, yet no one talks about it. However, the mission of this podcast is to break the pelvic pain silence. The conversations are intimate, raw, and completely unedited in order to deliver the most authentic information possible. With education, patience, and the proper tools and techniques, pelvic pain can be overcome. Welcome back to the Women's Pelvic Pain Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Matluck. I'm a holistic health and wellness coach, and I have had chronic pelvic pain for many years now. Pelvic pain is such a complex topic, and it's one that's really grown to fascinate me throughout the past few years. I have been more eager to understand why we have it and who has it and what causes it and what the best ways to treat it are and how it can be better diagnosed. But through this podcast, I was really determined to simplify the topic and to make it one that's understandable and accessible and interesting. And through the open conversations that we have on here, I hope to provide advice and insight and comfort to those who suffer from it and to also be able to educate those who are not so familiar with it. So today I am here with a guest named Laura. She has had chronic pelvic pain and bladder issues. And she actually found out about this podcast through the physical therapy place that we both go to. So it was amazing and rewarding to have her reach out to me and thank me for helping her to understand what pelvic pain is and helping her explain to her family and her friends what pelvic pain is. And I asked her if she would want to be on an episode to talk about what she's gone through. And she said she would love to. So I'm so thankful to have you here today. It's so important for us to share our stories and to talk about this and to be open about it. And I really, really appreciate you being so willing to do so. So thank you again for being here. And I really can't wait to hear more about your experience. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So give us a little introduction. How old are you? When did this pain start? What type of pain do you have? Tell us what we need to know. Um, so my name is Laura Mandel and I'm 31 years old um, and I have been suffering from pelvic pain for about seven months. So early this year in early January, um, I had a very sudden onset of um, a feeling of um, that I couldn't relieve my bladder, um, similar to some of the symptoms that are commonly associated with a UTI, urinary tract infection. Um, just lot extreme frequency and a feeling that um, my there was a pre- sort of a pressure sensation in my bladder that I couldn't relieve. Um, so I assumed that it was a UTI, um, and I went to um, an urgent care facility. Um, the next morning, they tested me um, and told me that um, my urine culture was negative, but they were going to treat it as a UTI anyway because the symptoms sounded like UTI. 
um, and the antibiotics didn't work. Um, and I ended up after that at my gynecologist and went through a similar process, um, tested me, found no, no signs of infection, um, but treated it a couple times over um, as a UTI. Um, so finally, after a, several rounds of antibiotics that weren't helping, I ended up um, at a urologist. Um, and um, one of the biggest challenges that I had was finding a urologist who could diagnose it correctly um, and who could understand um, sort of that it was a holistic issue. Um, the first urologist that I went to did a bunch of tests and also told me that she didn't see anything wrong and sort of sent me on my way, um, which was obviously a really discouraging experience um, to be experiencing pain and know that it's real and have a doctor tell you that nothing's wrong with you. Um, but I was able to eventually get somebody through a referral um, who gave me essentially a diagnosis that it was primarily related to um, anxiety and tension that I was carrying in my body um, and that I was going to need to address it um, in two ways. One, um, through pelvic floor physical therapy and second, through um, some sort of psychiatric care and possibly an anti-anxiety uh, medication or an antidepressant. And did this urologist tell you that this was pelvic pain that you were having? Is that how she explained it to you? So she never used the term pelvic pain, mm -hmm. which is one of the things that was really confusing is that I really didn't understand what was going right. on. Um, and I had never heard the term pelvic pain or pelvic floor dysfunction um, used by any doctor. And I hadn't really seen it in my own searching on the internet. Mm -hmm. um, so what I they made what they made me understand basically was that it was it was related to something um, psychiatric or psychological, mm -hmm. um, and that if I addressed that, um, it would resolve the problem. So there was a long period of time where um, I was just trying to understand um, what it was in my life that could possibly be so stressful or so bad that my body would be reacting this way, right. um, which in some ways was. A good place to start because this is an issue that um, is so sort of holistic and mm -hmm. and relates so much to um, sort of has so many mind body connections. Um, but I think that I was I was not understanding the like phys like physiologically what was happening um, with my muscles. I would I was just trying to figure out um, what was causing me to have such extreme anxiety that my body. Um, that my body, that I could actually be experiencing it or manifesting it um, in such a severe way, right? Um, so that that sent me into um, see, starting to see a therapist, um, and eventually to getting to a psychiatrist um, who would put me on, eventually put me on um, a, an antidepressant, mm -hmm. which is a common treatment for people who have bladder issues and pelvic pain. Yeah, so at the time he put me on something called nortriptyline, mm -hmm. um, which is a tricyclic antidepressant commonly used um, to treat um, pelvic floor dysfunction because it has some relationship with the nervous system. Mm -hmm. So it's usually actually prescribed for pain and right. not necessarily as an antidepressant. Um, I, I took nortriptyline and amitriptyline. Yeah, amitriptyline is apparently also very mm -hmm. common. 
Um, but even as he was prescribing that, he was not prescribing it necessarily because he because he was diagnosing me as having pelvic floor dysfunction. Right. Um, he was diagnosing it just sort of knowing that, first of all, I was having trouble sleeping, mm-hmm. and this drug can um, make you feel sleepy. Mm-hmm. Um, and also because he knew that it would... Um, it could possibly relieve some of the symptoms I was describing to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but it took me a really long time to actually identify um, identify and be able to use the correct terminology right. to actually articulate what was going on in my body. Mm-hmm. And can you talk for a second about the aspect of dealing with the, like the mental, the anxiety and the stress and the any life factors, lifestyle factors that contributed to your pain? Like, what was the process that you went through in order to sort that out? And I mean, I know that you said you went to a therapist and a psychiatrist, but can you talk about that journey for a minute? Yeah, that was actually, was very confusing to me because mm-hmm. um, I just couldn't figure out what what could be so bad in my right. life. I was sort of like trying to think methodically, like my job, is there something happening there that maybe <laughs> is like, affecting me in a way I don't realize mm-hmm. my, I evaluated my relationship like is mm-hmm. there something in my in my my with my partner um that may be out of whack that's causing this right or just like you know other existential angst about something mm-hmm. I really spent like a lot of time thinking those things through and just couldn't I think that I you know obviously everybody has anxiety and mm-hmm. you know it's normal and um especially in a city like New York um to feel anxious sometimes um Mm -hmm. but i really didn't think that i there was anything specific in my life that um that that could explain um like a like pain pain yeah um yeah and and working with a therapist was the the first step but i still feel like honestly um i don't know i haven't even figured out um i still don't know what it is that right that is necessarily the root cause of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I now understand a little bit better um, that it isn't necessarily that, you know, something dramatic happens to you, you lose your job, you know, some, you lose a you know, family member dies. It isn't necessarily that. It's just actually just that your body over time um, can take, like, can just become so tense. Right. Um, and just get your muscles just sort of, get trained into to be in this spastic state um and that that just manifests for some people um as pelvic pain for others it might manifest you know as back pain or chronic headaches or something but in my body that that's what it was Mm -hmm. um and i i only can imagine that it was an accumulation of like many years of me holding my stress in that muscle group um but why it happened on that one day, I still, don't I know. still don't know. I still yeah. can't explain. Yeah. Um, Timothy, the acupuncturist who I had on episode four, he when I would go see him, and he works at the physical therapy place that we both go to. But um, he would always ask me when I went in for sessions, like, "How do you feel today? How's your week been? Are you stressed? You know." what's your anxiety like what's your sleep like and I would always say to him no I'm not stressed I'm not anxious I sleep fine everything's fine I don't know why I have this pain and I don't know 
you know, I've been told that like I hold my stress in my pelvic floor and I, I know I hold my stress in my lower back and your lower back and your pelvic floor are very related and the muscles are in the same area. But mentally, I never really feel like super stressed or anxious. And he would explain to me, and this made so much sense, which I feel like would help make sense to so many other people, is that like even if you're consciously not stressed out and consciously you're not anxious or depressed or whatever it is, subconsciously and inside of your body, you could be your body, your you, you know, subconsciously your body could be really stressed from, as you just said, like living in New York and getting on the subways and running around a crazy city and all of the other stressful factors that we deal with every single day like your body could be holding all of this stress and maybe you're not someone who is conscious of it or you know you don't you don't feel it like physically you don't feel the stress every day but your body could be your body is under a lot of stress and after years and years and years of of having this stress in your body and holding it in these muscles in your pelvic floor or your lower back or wherever it is this is how it manifested and so it doesn't just need to be that you have this conscious stress or this conscious anxiety but even the subconscious stress and anxiety that everyone in this world has can manifest in these ways which i thought was really interesting so it's like you know you may never know why it's happening or when it started or how it started but we all do have subconscious stress yeah and that it was really helpful for me also to Mm -hmm. to come to that realization because I stopped putting that pressure on myself to figure out what the trigger was because I kept thinking like wow if I'm if this is gonna stop I'm gonna have to make a major change in my life I'm gonna have to quit my job Mm -hmm. I'm gonna have to move out of New York Um, but having that realization that you just described has Mm -hmm. helped me a lot but it, it's also, you know, part of the complexity of pelvic, you know, pelvic pain and pelvic floor dysfunction is um, it's it's so interconnected with just every aspect of life. Yeah. Um, so it's really hard to figure out the best way to manage it and get it under control. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can test and try all sorts of different things to see if it helps alleviate it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, ultimately it's yeah it's just sort of part of it's learning to just like figure it out figure it out and um and know how to sort of calm yourself down and calm those muscles down and have more awareness over um how your body is responding to things Mm -hmm. and you said that most of the pain that you have most of the pain and the problems that you have is bladder related but do you have any like vaginal issues or stomach issues or rectal issues or is it just your bladder um for me it was was my bladder primarily and the feeling um actually the word pain for me um was a bit difficult because i don't it doesn't um i don't experience it as pain i had the same issue Um, i would never call it pain and And like dysfunction pelvic floor dysfunction dysfunction is also a weird term because i don't know it's just very negative um but it resonates a little bit better with me Mm-hmm. The sensation, the best way I can describe it, is like a pressure feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a pressure in your bladder. Uh, that, that's sort of like your bo- your bladder communicating to you to your brain that it feels full. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I were to press on my bladder, I would feel fullness. Mm-hmm. Um, so it isn't. There's actually no pain involved, really. Um, for me, I know for others there is. Um, 
but I also experience it hand in hand with constipation, which is, I know, very common. Mm -hmm. Um, And constipation is sort of something that comes concurrent with um, the bladder frequency, Mm -hmm. um, but also something that can um, exacerbate it or make it worse um, because of the way that your body is, or I think in women's bodies, um, the way that yeah, that it pushes up against your bladder when you're um, mm-hmm. when you're constipated. Yeah. So the urologist that you saw told you to do pelvic floor physical therapy, and he also put you on a tricyclic antidepressant or the psychiatrist did. Um, yeah. So she um, she told me to start pelvic floor physical therapy, and she told me to consult a psychiatrist. Okay. Um, she didn't give me, um, she didn't tell me what drugs right. I should be on, although mm-hmm. I suspect that she knew, mm-hmm. um, I, or that she had had other patients, obviously, who had been on certain things that had been working. So um, for whatever reason, she chose um, to leave that in the hands of a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to actually see several psychiatrists before I found one who I think was um, sophisticated enough to to get me on the right drug. Mm-hmm. Um, and also when I started to see pelvic floor physical therapist, um, that was a huge breakthrough moment as well because I realized, um, first of all, that this thing exists called right. pelvic floor uh, muscle therapy, which means that other people must also have it and mm-hmm. go to it. Um, and she really normalized it for me and helped me um, she was the first one to really explain to me like what was happening in my body, right? Um, and you know, showing me using props and like you mm-hmm. know these graphics Diagrams that she has, yeah, in the... their offices. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what your pelvic floor looks like, and these are the muscles, and this is what's going on. Um, and she was the first one to actually articulate your pelvic floor muscles are in spasm; they're clenched up, mm-hmm. and that's causing irritation. Um, and you know she she you know she always talked about all her patients who had the same issue and i was just totally like floored by that and i remember saying to her like i've never met anyone else in my life who mm-hmm. who has this and when i talk about it to people they are so shocked and confused confused yeah. and i was like i don't know how i was like i'd love to meet someone else <laughs> like yeah. and she i remember she said to me we'll just go out into our reading room and talk to anyone <laughs> Um, so that's part of why I think this podcast is such a great initiative because I think for whatever reason, um, a lot of people experience it and they either don't want to talk about it or they don't know how to articulate it. Mm-hmm. Um, they you. don't have the terminology um, and they don't, they're not able to um, get a diagnosis. And so I think a lot of people suffer kind of in silence. Yeah, for sure. And it's, I feel like the more it's talked about, the more you start to hear about people who have it, which is yes. amazing. <laughs> That's happened to me a lot since I've started to be open about it. Mm-hmm. The people, like light bulbs will go off and they'll mm-hmm. they'll say, oh, this happened to me when I was really stressed and yeah, it went away, but I wonder, you know. So I think that, yeah, having a, a more of a conversation about this um, is really important. And I think women should not, yeah, should not be shy to tell everyone they know. Um, I agree. That this is a thing. And like, we all have the same parts of our body so right you know it's what's the difference if one of us has as you said back pain or headaches um yeah and I think there's also an association with the pelvic floor and um and like like um pregnancy like a lot of women completely when they have a baby they'll be like oh yeah those are the muscles that get loose when you have a baby and that's why right you know you leak urine or whatever but people have never 
Um, so like some people, some people will react to it that way and say, mm -hmm. you know, when you use the, the term pelvic floor, that's the first yeah, thing that that's they associate. The first thing that they think of, but they don't realize that they're actually something that's the opposite of that, which is the tension that could be happening in that same muscle group. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, can you talk about what the most helpful form of treatment has been, or I guess you can just briefly go over what, you know, the combination of the treatments that you've been using and how they've worked together. Um, sure. So I'm not, another thing just worth mentioning yeah. is that, um, I really like the worst thing about this entire experience for me was that, um, you know, I was sort of managing it during the day, but at night. Um, I was I developed insomnia as a result of it mm -hmm. um, so I you know I would I would be able to distract myself during the day from the feeling right. at work just doing random things but once I laid down in my bed um, it was sort of this vicious cycle of like I couldn't I couldn't relieve the pressure and I would get up you know over and over mm -hmm. you know sometimes eight to ten times mm -hmm. trying to relieve the feeling um, and just couldn't um, and that created uh, anxiety and, you know, so it was sort of this vicious cycle mm -hmm. um, that led me to a period of very, very extreme insomnia where I was um, basically not, you know, not sleeping or sleeping, mm -hmm. you know, two to three hours a night. Mm -hmm. um, and the insomnia for me has been something I've had, I have now had to treat separately right. um, because it's, it's now almost disassociated from the pelvic pain. Mm -hmm. um, the pelvic pain many things have worked for the pelvic pain in mm -hmm. terms of providing some relief but um the insomnia <laughs> lives on um and is has proven to be something that's actually much harder now for me to um to get to sort of overcome um but in terms of the pelvic pain um in addition to uh weekly wait hold um, on can i interrupt you for yeah, a second sure. The insomnia did you ever experience insomnia before this pelvic pain started or was the insomnia completely triggered by the pelvic pain um it was completely triggered by the pelvic pain i had mm -hmm. never had problems sleeping mm -hmm. um i was a really really good sleeper mm -hmm. um i was one of those people that would like fall asleep within 10 seconds of my right. head hitting the pillow um i could sleep in almost any condition noise heat you know outdoors indoors i was just a great sleeper mm -hmm. um and i was actually very aware of of how well i slept because um my partner has suffered from insomnia for years. Um, so there was always this sort of like tension between us of him not being able to sleep and mm -hmm. me sleeping really well. <laughs> um, and um, so it came, it definitely came um, as a result of the pelvic pain um, and partially the physical dis, you know, discomfort mm -hmm. um, of feeling like you have to pee and not being able to fall asleep when you feel like your bladder is full but also just the anxious cycle that that creates and the feelings that can start, you know, the thoughts that can start cycling in your head. Yeah. Like, is, is this ever going to go away? Am I ever going to get this under control? What's causing this? Right. Um, and, you know, everybody who's ever had insomnia knows that a lot of it is about um, not being able to sort of con bring your thoughts, you mm -hmm. know, under control um, and just sort of your mind running wild and, um, that keeping you lying awake. Um, so that's, but it's been very interesting how, you know, as my pelvic pain has um, slowly, um, but, but definitely 
it's getting better. Um, mm -hmm. The insomnia is now something that I'm having to deal with almost completely separately mm -hmm. in terms of techniques and medications and whatnot. Right. And back to the treatment plan, um, I know you mentioned the physical therapy and the tricyclic antidepressants, but will you talk a little bit about a little bit more about how they've helped you and anything else that you've done to help as well? Yeah. Um, so the physical therapy at first was um, I was going on a weekly basis, and I think that's a very common starting point mm -hmm. um, for people with pelvic pain. Um, and I wasn't, you know, I know the progress is very slow. Um, it definitely was not seeing immediate, you know, impact from that. Yeah. Um, when I really, when I started to get on the nortriptyline is when I really started to feel, start to feel some relief. Mm -hmm. um, and eventually I also um, went to a third urologist um, who put me on um, Valium suppositories, which are basically just um, little Valium gel sort of cubes that them, you yeah. yeah that you insert mm -hmm. um, vaginally um, and which just like create they just relax your muscles mm -hmm. so the combination of those two um, sort of medica med medical interventions I think has got I would say has gotten me 50% of the way there right um, you know other little things are just small things that I was sort of I was advised to play around a lot with with diet and lifestyle things mm -hmm. so doing things like reducing you know coffee or other bladder irritants mm -hmm. citrus juices carbonated beverages um i've i've eliminated a lot of those things but i it's hard to know whether it's right. very hard to like create um an association mm -hmm. or, or a causal relationship between that mm -hmm. um and you know interestingly certain exercise habits so that I had um, I was advised to first of all to do more yoga and like more um, more um, sorts of physical physical activity that really like are you know stretching you and actually in some of those poses actually do um, provide relief to the pelvic floor mm -hmm. in yoga um, but things like bar bar classes Not which good. I had been doing yeah. yeah like once a week for four years yeah um I was advised to stop just because it was possible that those movements if I'm doing them incorrectly or or I'm not sure that it was that could be contributing right um, yeah um other thing yeah and other than that I'm you know I haven't I haven't really there are certain like physical therapy tricks that yeah. sometimes work mm -hmm. just um things like contracting and releasing your muscles when you are feeling tense mm -hmm. like if you're on a subway car and you're just like oh you know you, you feel your body's tense you just like take a deep breath and contract and release a few times mm -hmm. um and that at least like it, it's at least like um, demonstrating an awareness yeah. in that moment that you're tense and it just allows you to be conscious of like the way that you're tensing your muscles yeah, instead exactly. of not being conscious of it and the the muscle spasm like won't ever really go away if you can think about it when you're on the subway when you're sitting at work whatever it is it's actually really helpful to like notice how you're contracting and then it helps when you when you like are mindful of it and then you can kind of relax those muscles a yeah, little bit more definitely developing mindfulness and awareness of of like of 
of when your tense is really important. And then I think one other, the first thing that I ever, that I ever really noticed helping me was doing something that the pelvic floor um, physical therapist told me to do, which was to just get on a, get in a squat position. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, after I would urinate, I would just, (laughs) I would just go and Mm -hmm. lean against a wall and sit in a squat Mm -hmm. for two to three minutes. Yeah. That's Um, so interesting. And yeah, apparently. Did it help? Yeah, so squatting was one of my early breakthroughs. Right. Um, apparently, that position, um, and you know, this is also why I think um, this is also a lot of yoga poses involve mm-hmm. um, certain squat-like positions. It, it actually, in that position, um, your muscles are forced to relax. Your mm-hmm. body actually can't tense your muscles when you're squatting. Um, so if I were, if I did it immediately after I urinated, um, early on before I was on any of the, the medications, I did notice that um, it would lessen the pain a little bit. So interesting. That's really helpful. Um, what role did your, I mean, this is just something that I'm curious about now from talking to you, but what role did your gynecologist or does your gynecologist play in all of this? Um, she's played um, very little right. role. She was the initial person that I called mm-hmm. um, when it when it started. Mm-hmm. Um, and but after they ran, you know, the, the, all the tests that they could run, I guess after they ran the urine culture and they tested me for bacterial vaginosis and other things, and everything came up negative. Um, she basically referred me out to mm-hmm. a urologist. Um, so since then she really um she hasn't she hasn't played any role um although i did just see her um for an annual checkup for the first time since um since this has really happened and she she was very aware of the issue um it seemed that she was educated on it on um, pelvic on pelvic pain pain, yeah Uh and you know she was just able to affirm I right. guess what I've been doing and was very supportive and made herself available to me if I needed anything, but she was not the one to diagnose or treat it. But I would say she's just another resource if if needed. I guess also because your the issues that you've had are bladder related and not vaginal. So it would make sense that a urologist was the appropriate person to see when you were developing all of these problems. Yeah, and I've always I've felt some. That's also confusing is knowing who's the appropriate yeah. person to treat this because it's. I feel like it could be a gynecologist, right. it could be a urologist, it could be a urogynecologist, and I know also some people see physiatrists who mm-hmm. you know do trigger point injections. There's just so many different types. You know, I feel like there's some. It requires just so many different. Yeah. <laughs> Um, being attacked from so many different angles, angles yeah. in order to see results, mm-hmm. um, and that can be very confusing. Um, not you know trying to figure assemble that sort of like care team for you know that takes time. Not easy. Um, yeah, and it's 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 over. It's really scary when you know something's wrong with you and you don't know who really you know, scary. Yeah, who is the appropriate person to treat it? Yeah. Um, but eventually, for me, um, at this point. I feel like I have a t- my team, I guess, in place, which um, has been working well for me, is having a urologist, mm-hmm. a good urologist who understands female pelvic pain, which is not all urologists, 
Um, I think so. That's really important. Like a, having a good urologist. Yeah. Um, along with a, a pelvic floor physical therapist, mm-hmm. um, along with a psychiatrist um, who monitors um, the nortriptyline, mm-hmm. and um, along with psychotherapy. So those are sort of the four different, right. per, you know, quote unquote, I guess, medical professionals that um, are now, um, that I'm working with now. And um, I feel like once you find the right people in all of those different areas, um, it, you know, that, that really helps. And what I think is so interesting about your situation is that most people who have pelvic pain, from what I know, is that it is vaginal. They do present mostly vaginal symptoms. So hearing from you who presents most bladder symptoms and who's using your urologist as your primary care physician for your pain is different than what I believe most people do who see their gynecologist. And I mean, I know that most of my symptoms were vaginal, so my gynecologist has helped me primarily and and not a urologist, although I have seen a urologist for these issues. But, you know, just hearing from your perspective and your experience on what doctors have really helped you, I think is super interesting. And for those of you listening, if anyone is trying to find a urologist who does understand female pelvic pain, which is very tough because most don't. Um, if you want to see Laura's urologist, just reach out to me. You can email me or um, you can email me at info at the Women's Pelvic Pain Podcast or you can message me on Instagram and I will give you that information. But yeah, I think that this is amazing and you know, having people understand that pelvic pain isn't just one thing it's not just your vagina it's not just your bladder it's not just one muscle it's a lot of muscles it's a lot of different parts of that area of your body that can be causing the pain so finding out what doctor is appropriate to treat the pain is so important and you really talked about how it was so difficult to find that team of doctors that were able to understand what you were going through and that were able to really put together a treatment plan and an action plan for your specific issues was challenging but you were able to do it and when you put in you know the time and the energy to be able to seek out these doctors and seek out the people who could best help you you see the results and the benefit from it and you know you feel more of a sense of hope because you have these doctors who can understand you and who make you feel confident that you're going to get better and that there is something that you can do about these problems and that you know you're not alone and this is what they treat so I'm really happy that you shared this and that you talked about the doctors that you've been able to find and how they've been able to help you on that note is there anything else that you think has been really helpful for you that you want to share with the audience one thing that's Mm -hmm. been important is um I guess understanding that like progress looks different mm-hmm. with pelvic floor dysfunction than it does maybe for other medical issues that people have experienced um, because of the holistic nature of it um, and because people often don't aren't able to understand the root causes of it um, and I think making progress um, 
it just takes a lot of patience and also um, you sort of have to be like gentle with yourself because I'll have days where um, I, I really don't feel well. I'll, I'll have, be fine for a couple weeks and then feel like I have a bad day and um, try not to let that set me back or take away from the progress that I'm making um, more generally. Um, and I think that that's just an important tip for people who are on the journey of trying to um, trying to find ways to to manage this condition. Um, yeah, is just to sort of understand like that it takes time and that it's not really always linear and that you know one bad day doesn't mean that um, that you're not on the right path. I could not agree more and it's so important for people to hear that because it's so easy to get discouraged when you have any form of chronic pain. You know, some days are good and some days are not so good and on those not so good days, you are discouraged and just reminding yourself that the healing process is full of ups and downs and just because you have a bad day doesn't mean the rest of the days are going to be bad. So thank you for that tip. That is really, really important for all of us to always remind ourselves and I want to share today um, a supplement that I've been taking for anyone who follows me on the women's pelvic pain podcast Instagram account I posted a few photos of it the other day but it's a supplement called desert harvest and they are aloe vera capsules so they're freeze-dried really high quality aloe vera capsules and they're supposed to help with pain, bladder pain, pelvic pain, interstitial cystitis, bladder pressure, frequency, all of the above. So they recommend, I at, at physical therapy, um, they would always have samples of them and they had given them to me and I have taken them a few times and I didn't really see any direct results from them. And then I recently saw a new gynecologist who gave me some samples and then told me that I should take them for a few months because she told me that I actually have a bladder infection that I could have possibly had for a while and that my bladder has been under a lot of stress for a while. And she told me that these aloe vera capsules will really help calm the bladder and soothe the bladder. So I just ordered two bottles of it and the proper way to take it, which I didn't know uh, that I now know is to take it. I mean, some people see results for, from taking it for a week, but it says in the directions from the company that in order to see real results to take it for at least two to three months. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take these aloe vera capsules three in the morning and three at night. So that's six a day. That's what the, the company recommends for three months. And I'm going to do it every day. And I'm going to see if this helps to calm my bladder and reduce the bladder frequency that I have. So I will keep everyone posted on that journey but i do recommend that everyone try them if you have any sort of bladder pain or pressure or frequency because it's aloe vera it's completely natural it's there's no downside it also says uh the company just has a lot of information when they send you the product but they talk about how taking aloe vera capsules can also help increase nutrition absorbency from the food that you take and the supplements that you take so Either way, it's a win-win. And yeah, I recommend it to anyone listening. So with that, Laura, thank you so much for being here. I think that this was really informative and interesting and 
a little bit of a different conversation on pelvic pain. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And as always, please don't forget to leave your feedback, leave a comment on this episode in the iTunes store and give it a five star rating and subscribe because just so everyone understands the more people who comment and leave a rating and subscribe to the podcast, the higher the podcast will be ranked in the iTunes store and that in turn will allow it to be more visible to more people and together we will be able to spread information on pelvic pain. So please help me out. This is just something that all of you can do to get this really, really out there into the world and to make a difference. Thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.